Welcome in to the New Orleans Saints podcast, hosted by Aaron Summers and John DeShazer. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers who cover the team on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your hosts, Aaron Summers and John DeShazer. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. I'm Aaron Summers. The Saints kicked off practice on Wednesday ahead of their game this Sunday against the Lions. They'll have three straight practices, walkthrough on Saturday, and then finally we are back in the Superdome for the next three weeks. Both teams, the Saints and the Lions, are coming off tough losses from last weekend, and they're looking to get right in this one. Head coach Dennis Allen said Monday it's about fixing some of the things that cost them against the Falcons, like their run gap integrity and the penalties, especially in the red zone. To help us break down what's been going on with the Saints and look ahead to that game Sunday against the Lions, John DeShazer and I sat down with Daryl Moose Johnston, longtime NFL player for the Cowboys, three-time Super Bowl champ, president of the USFL and NFL on Fox analyst. Moose had our game last weekend in Atlanta and will be here this weekend on Fox's broadcast at 12 o'clock central from the Superdome. Daryl, thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast. You are so lucky because you've gotten the Saints two weeks in a row, but this week you get to come to New Orleans. How are you doing? How excited are you to be able to be here and cover a game in the Superdome? No, I'm excited. It's been a while since we've been in New Orleans. Um, you know, for me, it, it was one of the hardest places to play. We played in the Sugar Bowl when I was in college, um, and that that's a split, and it was still incredibly loud. I remember going to a Saints game when we were down there, uh, and then having had the opportunity to play there uh, as a professional with the Dallas Cowboys. It, it, it's one of the better home field advantages when you talk about crowd noise and crowd participation and really the knowledge of the fan knowing when to be loud and when not to be loud it's it's one of the more challenging ones around the nfl we're hoping that there are a lot of things to cheer for for those fans on this upcoming sunday but there's been a lot of inconsistencies with the team they've talked about needing to play complementary football especially better in situational areas especially the red zone which i know you saw last week you a former player how difficult is that to get everybody on the same page playing that complementary football yeah, the situational component, it's its hard even when you've been together for a while. So I think a lot of people have to understand, you know, this organization was on cruise control for a long time with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And now there's a little bit of transition um, with Pete Carmichael coming down and doing the, the, the play calling for the last couple of seasons and then Derek Carr coming in this year. And you're getting Derek Carr comfortable with the offense that has been run by the Saints and what, what Coach Carmichael wants to use. And then He's asking Derek Carr, what are some of the things that you did well in Vegas? Watch the film, pull those out, try to mesh those together. So you've got a quarterback getting used to a new system, and then you've got players around him that support him getting getting comfortable with some of the things that he liked from his time um, with the Raiders. So there's going to be a process that you go through, and I think the one that always takes the longest are the situational components, the red zone, third down, um, two minutes usually okay because it's a style of play today um, and it's just getting the communication through. Uh, but that's probably one of the big challenges right now is they're not they're not connecting right now. they're they're building that trust and you can see it grow, you know, from watching the games getting ready for last week's game against the Falcons and going back and watching the progression of the offense. You can see the growth. It's just to the point you said, it's just it's inconsistent right now. 
who do you think that that falls on on the offensive side in order to get back on track? Because right now they're down a couple wide receivers as well coming into this next game. What areas have you seen that they can kind of focus on to get that growth and improvement? They've got a veteran offensive line. And, and for me, everything starts up front. So, you know, I think that that's the group that that really has to to play at a high level. Um, make Derek Carr comfortable in the pocket. Um, allow Alvin Kamara in the run game, you know, to get down the field, get to that second level. Um, you know, there's a ton of really good pieces in place on the offensive side of the ball. Um, give the opportunity for the wide receivers if if you are down and and, and you don't have uh, Rashid Shahid, you know, obviously Michael Thomas is out. Um, you know, what is the status going to be there, you know, coming in with Chris Olave. So if the younger guys have to step up, you don't want to have to rely on them and let them be supplemental players at that time and not make them feel like they have to carry the entire offense on the outside. So for me, it's going to be, how does that offensive line step up this week? Um, because you can see it. There were times last week um, you know, on the edge, I'm a big Alvin Kamara fan. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to talk to him this week in preparation for the game. Um, I, I just think he's he's very underrated as a between the tackle runner. He's so good and so dynamic in space that we get focused on that as being his role. But he's he's the complete running back for the Saints. And I think a lot of people have been trying to find a running back similar to him, and it's very challenging. Uh, and then you add Jamal Williams to that mix, uh, and it's it's pretty it's pretty impressive and, and if that offensive line can do their job uh, I think that allows the wide receivers in this next man up mentality to just kind of ease their way into the game plan and build their confidence Moose having seen the having seen the things what do you see from them defense run defense and I mean in the NFL if you can't stop the run it's going to be difficult to stop anything for the opposing offense yeah I'm, I'm going to go right back to where I was on the offensive side of the ball the offensive line, the defensive line uh, and, and losing coach Nielsen, who'd been there and been a guy for a long time that kind of developed those, those defensive linemen, you know, we've watched that rotation you know, for several years now. I mean, you had your frontline guys and they were very, they were very good, uh, but it was always the ability to roll guys through and you lose Trey Hendrickson. And now you've got Carl Granderson on the outside, but you, you, you got hit a little bit hard last year, you know, in that area and you lost some of your depth, um, you know, Shy Tuttle is, is, is moved on um, and, and you're trying to fill those voids. And, and what happens is, is that rotation. Uh, I think that that's the big area that I see, you know, when I've done Saints games in the past, that quarterback always seemed to be under duress and you don't see it as much when you're watching the film. Um, and that puts a lot of stress on the back end and the, and the back end is held up well. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the strengths of the defensive side of the ball. But as we talk about complementary football and an offensive and defensive marriage, the rush and the coverage on the defensive side that has to marry. And, and and I see that more being the strength on the back end, holding down and being able to lock in on coverage uh, and, and kind of plaster guys because the quarterback has got plenty of time to sit in the pocket. The ball's not coming out fast enough, which is what we saw in years past with the Saints. How does one, I guess, assuage the, the victory ball from a fan base uh, when a when a franchise is kind of going through a transitionary period and you know you 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 want it to be well but you know there's going to have to be a little bit of patience exercise I guess yeah yeah fans are going to be fans um <laughs> you know they they it's important for them to kind of look at it from a 30,000 30, foot perspective and and kind of understand why the challenges are there um I I just think that sometimes there's a lot of there's a lot of communication a lot of chatter coming into a season 
and, and I think both for New Orleans and Atlanta, I think that there was a lot of positive expectations coming into the season for both teams. Uh, you know, that that becomes troublesome. And then you start to look at things and it, it really ends up being, well, this week it was this week it was this problem and that that just shows you that's the process you're going through it's it's the detail you're trying to get the big things in place and good at the big things and then you kind of funnel everything down and you start to hit the details um you know that takes a long time i mean kansas city didn't burst right out of the scene when patrick mahomes you know came to them you know there's a there was a, a there was a short period of time but there's still that adjustment and, and i think we see that around the league uh, you know, Joe Burrow got there and, you know, that the first little bit of that, that transitional part there uh, was the same thing. So even the teams with these really, really good quarterbacks, those top tier quarterbacks, you know, there's also a period where they go through transition with everybody getting to understand, you know, what the strengths are of the player, the quarterback himself, understanding, you know, what the what the receivers do best, uh, you know, how the offensive line blocks. There's a lot of things, subtle things that you're learning every single day at practice, every single week when you play a game that helps you build that, that kind of, uh, you know, knowledge of, of how you're going to perform on game day. You know, Saints are five and six, obviously I'm tied for first in the NFC South, even though actually a game behind the Falcons because of the head to head, but is there a path for the team? Because, you know, it doesn't seem like it's going, obviously it's not going to take a, an 11 win team to win this division. No, I think there's a path for, for both of them. There's, People that even think that, that Tampa Bay could get back into the mix if they can get their ship righted. So, um, it, yeah, last weekend was not the end of the season for the New Orleans Saints. You know, they've got Atlanta one more time um, and, and then it becomes a split. So now you're into tiebreakers if they can just match pace with them. So um, I, I, I it, it's just getting everything turned around. You know, I, I know that last week was a disappointing performance. Um, you know, you have those those same issues that continue to pop up, which is very, very frustrating, not only for the fan base, but for the players as well. Um, you know, when you continue to struggle in the red zone, um, you know, you, I don't think people know how hard and how much energy you're putting into getting that resolved. And it's very frustrating for us when it doesn't. We were we were a team even in our heyday. We were awful in the third quarter. I mean, and we talked about it and we focused on it. And it seems sometimes the more light you shine on it, the worse it gets. So, you know, all of a sudden you just have that breakthrough and all of a sudden that thing kind of goes away. So they just they just need to come out, keep grinding at it. They're going to break through in the red zone one of these days and then everything's going to kind of just get into a rhythm. Um, and, and you just you have to take your lumps from time to time. It's kind of like what your competition is saying this week, you know, from Dan Campbell. You know, every team hits adversity at some point during the course of the season. It's going to come. The biggest thing is how do you respond to it? Uh, and, and they're in the middle of it right now in Detroit. And, you know, you have to embrace that. You know, some people get frustrated with it. But, you know, Dan Campbell's approach is we're going to we're going to embrace this. You know, th this is this is great. This is December football. You know, we're almost there. We're getting close to the playoffs. You know, we've got to find out if we deserve to be in that hunt. And I think New Orleans is in that same position. It's been challenging. You've bumped into adversity. How are you going to respond? Because, if you win the South, you're in the playoffs and anything can happen once you get into the playoffs. We've seen a number of teams get hot at the end of a season after having kind of a struggling start or middle part of the season. And they get on that roll and they have uh, they have some noise that they make in the playoffs. Yeah, I've got I've got to take a left turn here because I've got to ask. OK, economics degree from Syracuse, correct? Correct. What in the world are you doing in the football booth? <laughs> <laughs> I love this game. Um, you know, it, it was, it was the major that I had, uh, you know, it, it, it Syracuse, uh, I started off with electrical engineering. That was, that was, uh, that was a little bit of a reach. 
Um, this is back <laughs> when we we didn't have the twenty hour limit on work weeks in college. So, um, but you know that was my opportunity. You know to get to Syracuse and, and play at a Division One level. Um, I was a good student in high school. Uh, probably one of the reasons that, that I was afforded the opportunity to go to Syracuse. Um, so for me, it was the balance of graduating and also playing football. Um, got off to a pretty tough start in the electrical engineering uh, area and had to dig myself out of a pretty good hole after three semesters. So, you know, I learned a lot playing the game of football from our head coach, Dick McPherson, about life, probably more than I learned about football. I mean, I use his adages all the time. And, and you know, when I get into tough spots, I kind of fall back on things that that we were we were told and taught in college. Uh, but for me, it's just love of the game. Um, I don't know what it is about this game. It gets into your blood and it, it's it's hard to get it out. And uh, now I'm in a position where I, I feel like I, I need to pay back to the game um, and and celebrate everything that it's provided for me. So, uh, I, I mean, I love it. I've, I've always felt like I need to be an ambassador, you know, for other kids to try and create an opportunity. The stuff we do in the USFL in the spring, that's really what that focus is for me is, is changing the trajectory of a young man's life by giving him an opportunity not not to get back to the NFL, because a lot of these guys have been there, but to get there and stay. Can you stay for two years? Can you stay for three years? So we work on teaching them how to be a professional, everything that we've learned over the course of our career as football players to help change his life from a financial standpoint. You're in a very unique position as the president of the USFL and broadcasting the NFL games. Why was that something that you got into even you were the vice president but you kind of mentioned the ability to help other players give them a new opportunity but you're, you're doing a lot yeah yeah it's <laughs> you know it's, again it's 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 a labor of love um you know i don't consider it work I, I know there's a lot of people that would love to do what i get an opportunity to do i mean this weekend i get to sit down and talk to dan campbell and you know players on the detroit lines like to visit with dennis allen again and talk to some guys from the Saints and, and kind of pick their brain. And, you know, everybody would love to do that. Um, you know, so and and then that that afforded the opportunity because in the beginning, Fox was the partner with the USFL. So they're kind of the the overseers of the league. Um, so the connection there and staying within the family uh, of, of Fox, uh, it was really kind of a natural fit. And I'd been a part of the Alliance American Football in 2018, uh, the first iteration of the XFL in 2020. So I'd had experience with what happened with those two leagues. Why did those two leagues not survive? So, you know, not only being a part of trying to build something, but also understanding where the pitfalls may lie. So um, it's been great. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. We just had one of our players sign yesterday with the Atlanta Falcons. So we've got 25 guys that have signed to an NFL practice squad or uh, an active roster this year, which is one more than we had last year. So we continue from year to year to create more opportunities for our guys to get to uh, to get back to the NFL and see if they can stay this time. That's got to be really fun for you to watch and see some of those players make that step back into the NFL. One player that I'm sure you've come across on both sides is our defensive end here, Cam Jordan, as he's called some of those yep. USFL games in the off season. He's on his 13th season. You played 12, same place. How unique is what he's been able to do, what you did, just playing for one franchise, kind of giving it your all and playing for such a long time? Yeah, I think for me, it was it was interesting because the first half of my career was the old style of business. And then the second half of my career is when free agency came in. So, uh, you know, only only half of my career and then, then the backside of that is, is when teams are going to come in and, and kind of 
<clears throat> try to convince you to come and play for them. But for Cam to be able to stay in one spot for 13 years, as as dominant as a player as he's been, uh, shows the value that he's created within the Saints organization. And it's not just his production on the field. Uh, it's, it's his leadership. It's who he is as a man. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that go into it when, a, when an organization commits to you for your entire career in today's era, that goes beyond your productivity on the field. It's it's an ambassador in the community. It's a face that everybody can relate to as New Orleans Saints fans. Uh, and that's who Cam Jordan is. You know, we definitely had an opportunity to visit with him, uh, especially season one when we were really on location doing the games and, and got to visit with him and talk with him and you know, one of the things I still stayed in touch with were the production meetings, um, you know, with the the broadcast groups and our coaches and our players. So, you know, always got an opportunity, you know, to visit with him uh, every chance I had. I, I took advantage of that. And and he's been great, you know, on that side and just a phenomenal NFL career, a phenomenal NFL career. Um, and when we talked about that D-line, you know, that's that's one of the big things. They've always had Cam Jordan. And you can always just look to your left and, and see number 94 out there and and how hard he plays and and how much it means to him. So, you know, not not only his skill set and what he can teach you rushing the passer, but what it takes to be a pro every single day. And that's the biggest thing. That's what we find out about our guys in the USFL that didn't get a chance to stay in the NFL is they don't understand how competitive it is and, and how good you have to be every single day. You have eyes on you from the moment you walk in to the facility in the morning until the moment you walk out in the afternoon. So everybody's watching. Everybody's trying to see who you are as not only a football player, but as a man. You've got to give us a grade on Cam broadcasting. broadcasting. I know. I was going to say, I don't think he minds all the eyes on him, but yeah, how is he as a broadcaster? Yeah, because Cam's thing is, you know, no defensive lineman has ever not been held. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the complete opposite. No <laughs> offensive player has ever held. You know, and, I, and I'll fight tooth and nail. There, there was one last week in our game. Um, uh, and, and, and to me, it was it was kind of just that, you know, kind of a stiff arm. And I think sometimes the officials see a guy go to the ground and they haven't seen the whole play. What happened there? Why is that guy on the ground? And they just, well, he had to be held. He had to be pulled down. So I'm the exact opposite of Cam. You know, I, I've never seen a hold. I've never seen a hold out there. So, but it's fun. I think the, the biggest thing is, is you make your strides from year to year more than you do week to week. Um, that's, that's when you get a, a, you know, kind of a, you know, that quantum leap in, in understanding every, it's just like the game. Everything starts to slow down for us. Um, and you start to get into your comfort zone. You start to create your own style. Uh, what is your uniqueness? And, and the most important thing is you have to be likable. Um, I mean, there's some people that, that like my broadcast because I'm a Dallas Cowboy. There's some people that, that won't even listen to me because I'm a Dallas Cowboy. You know, if I'm doing a Philadelphia game, they're waiting for me to be critical of Philadelphia. And that's all they're going to hear. So that, that's one of the tougher parts is, is being true to yourself and just going out. And, and Cam knows what good football looks like. And just trying to teach the viewer the how and the why really quickly during the course of those plays and the breaks in between um, and being likable and, and just I mean, everybody knows, I mean, from his personality, how how likable he is. So he's he's got a big head start, you know, into this industry just because of that. And then his time, his knowledge, um, you know, just when people know who you are and know what you accomplish in your career and they give you that respect, they're waiting to hear the information that you're going to provide because they want to walk away from a broadcast and feel like they've learned something. They want to go to the water cooler on Monday and, and be able to make a comment about the game and and have them feel smart because they're kind of inside. And it was it was not something that was kind of cliche. It was kind of that that one or two levels below that that was very smart and savvy. So uh, that those are the things that we hope to share with with the uh, with the listener during the course of the game.
I'm going to bring it back to this upcoming game real quick. Playing the Detroit Lions, you mentioned both teams looking to get right after tough losses last week. What do the Saints need to focus on that maybe the Lions do well? Or is it really just focusing on the Saints and, and doing everything that they can to the best of their ability? Yeah, I think the focus always has to be on yourself. It, it not even you know, you're going through a little bit of a tough stretch and everybody say, hey, it's, it's all about us now. No, it's it's always all about us. Um, even when you're you're on a roll and you're you're playing really well, you still want it to be about us. You want to make the other team beat you. You never want to lose. Uh, and that's you know one of the things we try to tell people is there's a big difference between getting beat and losing. When you lose, it's because there were things within your control that you helped contribute to you not winning and having success that day. Make the other team beat you. Play a clean game. That's going to be the biggest thing here that we're going to be watching. I mean, New Orleans is good at taking the ball away. Detroit has really struggled the last couple of games. You know, can they continue that? with uh with jared goff um you know desmond ritter had a, a game where he threw three picks and then fumbled the three times the following game and he was on the bench jared goff has done the same thing he's had three interceptions and three fumbles so he's he's in a in a rut right now uh with something that kind of plagued him early in his career that hasn't been an issue since he's gotten to detroit so you wonder where he is mentally um you know with the turnover thing so uh i think that that's going to probably be the biggest uh, indicator of who's going to win this game, who wins the turnover battle. You know, can New Orleans take the ball away? The other one for me is going to be down in the trenches again. Um, Dan Campbell was not happy with how his offensive line played against Green Bay. I mean, he's going to challenge them. Uh, it's considered one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. And we talked about the Saints defensive line, you know, trying to get back to the level that we're used to seeing them at and, and maybe not being there where we've saw them, you know, two, three years ago. That'll be a huge part of that. And then can the Saints offensive line control the defensive line of Detroit which has happened quite a bit here over the last couple of weeks. They have not been getting to that quarterback. They haven't had somebody step up opposite Aiden Hutchison to kind of create that other person that you have to worry about. When you can just focus on Aiden, you know, that's that makes uh, the, the offense's job a little bit easier. You know, Aline McNeil inside is a good player. Um, you know, can he cause some issues, you know, inside? So for me, it's going to be really about the, the, the takeaways and the turnovers and then really who wins the battles uh, on the offensive and defensive line during the course of the game, because they've both got great skill players, you know, in the backfield outside that they, that they can get the football to, but do you have the time to stand in the pocket and throw that? Do you have running lanes for your running backs to go through? You know, Daryl, in your, in your pregame work, how much of a safe space is created for you by the fact that most of these players saw you play, uh, they know you and how truthful they are with you in the lead up to the game. That's one of the things that you kind of earn, you earn the opportunity for them to share, whether it's players or coaches, you have to build that trust. Um, and we've had a number of people, you know, during the process of the interviews say, hey, this is not for TV. And we know they're going back and they're watching that uh, because a lot of times it was something that was really good. Hey, can I say this off the record? We never repeat it, but we can take that information and then we can we can look into other areas and find some things. It sheds a little bit of light on things for us and helps us understand a little bit more. So we we really want to create the relationship where the player or the coach can say whatever he wants. And if he wants to retract that or or ask us not to share that, we're absolutely fine with that. Um, but have them feel comfortable that they can really kind of get beyond the cliches. There, there's there's nothing more frustrating than to sit down and get a lot of just cliches about, you know, the things that everybody knows about football. 
Um, and nobody does that until you you've earned that opportunity, you've earned that respect for them to to take you to a different level with the information that they're going to share with you. So that's over time. Um, you know, I've, I've played so long ago that a lot of these guys, you know, they, they're not real familiar with me. Um, you know, they kind of know me as a Fox broadcaster, you know, it's, it's, it's been, you know, 23 years since I played football. So, um, you know, for me, it's, it's kind of that uphill battle, you know, I'm, I'm getting to that point in my career as a broadcaster where the guys aren't going to remember me anymore. And, you know, you hope they go back and do some research, you know, the USFL guys, you know, have done that. I've, I've kind of, you know, talked to them about certain things and then they'll come up a couple of days later and go, Hey, I, I, I Googled you. He goes, you, you were, you were a good player when you played. I'm, well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. So you're always, you're the biggest thing for us is, is earning that respect though. So the guys feel comfortable you know, being able to share the information, which, which helps us. Um, and then we, we, we always say, we're like, Hey, if you are a fantastic interview, you know, if you get into a little bit of trouble out there, we can always find some reasons why it wasn't all your fault. Yeah. You can be like, Hey, you know, that guy, Emmett Smith, I'm the reason why he was so successful. You know, I blocked for him yeah. every single Super Bowl we won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That all-time leading rusher guy, you know, he was, yeah, that was me. Thanks guys. That was my team. That was, that was my teammate. That was my running mate. <laughs> <laughs> with the usfl do you have any new rules that you're going to be implementing because the kickoff getting moved up was a huge success yeah yeah we've we kind of last season followed the suit they they put their third quarterback rule in after the mm -hmm. nfc championship game as well we we did one as well um you know we didn't want to get into a situation where you know we didn't we didn't have a quarterback we, we can't go wildcat we don't have a Christian McCaffrey in our league it's going to be hard we've got a lot of guys that have, have they have a quarterback background and they're an emergency quarterback but we really wanted to for us it was twofold number one it guaranteed we'd have a quarterback you know in the lineup the, the entire game but it also forced our teams to bring a third quarterback into the football family and develop him. So instead of having 16 quarterbacks that we were developing, we had 24 last year, which mm -hmm. we think is a big plus. Um, there, there's a few things that we're talking about this year. Um, nothing, nothing real big like we did last year when we moved the kickoff back to the 20. Um go off the top of my head i think probably the biggest thing we'll do this year is um if you commit a foul and there's not enough yardage to come off of the or to to enforce it fully we, we will take you down to the two yard line so if, if there's a holding penalty on the seven we're not going to take you to the three and a half we're going to take you all the way to the two so we're going to enforce as much yardage as we can and put you kind of down, back down where you would be, uh, you know, as an offense going in. Um, and that's both ways, you know, so we just, we just feel if, if it's, if, if it's a penalty, then let's enforce it as, as much we can and make it challenging. It's, it's always kind of a give and take because you want points and you want excitement in the game. And we're also battling, you know, length of the game. Um, but we also, you know, want to make sure that, that we're, having an opportunity to put, you know, a new spin on some things and, and hopefully the NFL likes some of the stuff that we're doing. Um, you know, so um, it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see what they do. We, we did an interesting thing with our punts a few years ago. Um, I think right at the start, we had it for season one is, you know, Mike Pereira. It's, it's one of the things that he always wanted because it's very frustrating when the guys go out of bounds and they don't get back in time and then you get a penalty so because we're so much about pace of play and getting inside that three hour window, any anything that we can implement that that increases the pace of play, you know, we want to do. So putting them on the ins 
on the outside edge, I got to get this one right, on the inside edge of the outside of the number, that, that's where our gunners have to line up. They can't go in towards the sideline. That way we prevent the funneling out of bounds and we take that penalty out. That, so you take that penalty enforcement out. Now we had to be careful if, if they went inside that they didn't get funneled into all those guys coming down to cover the punt uh, from a player health situation. Um, so we monitored that the first two years. And that, that's actually something I think the NFL is is considering taking up. Very interesting. Well, we'll have to make sure we follow along and this upcoming summer when the, the season starts again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We appreciate it, all the insight, and we look forward to having you here in New Orleans soon. I'm looking forward to it too. Good luck to the Saints this weekend. Appreciate Moose joining us. Looking forward to seeing what the future holds for the USFL and, of course, our team. We'll be back with another podcast Friday as we bring in a special guest, Pro Bowl Hall of Fame semifinalist for the 2024 class, our very own Jari Evans. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast.